0: Welcome into the Backward Podcast here on a special episode, New Year's Eve. I hope everyone had a great 2023 and an even better 2024 to come. And we just really appreciate everyone who has taken their time to listen to our episodes. Today, we're talking about some of our favorite movies of 2023. This includes me and of course, Caden, but also several of our friends that are coming on as guests. Uh, Really excited for this episode. And let me know what you think. Let's get to it. Welcome in to the
1: Backcourt Podcast. Bobby. Oppenheimer. Your favorite movie of the year. Um, number
0: two on my list, personally. I definitely get all the craze for it. Uh, one of the most... Kind of one of the biggest films of the year, but it was also very creative. And w- why do you love this movie?
2: Yeah, so for me, um, the number one reason I probably love the movie is just the cast and the performances in it. Um, so starting with uh, Killian Murphy as the lead in it, I think he's just his kind of transformation throughout the whole film is um really insane and he would be my pick for best actor at this moment and then yeah. you go down the line you have um Robert Downey Jr um Emily Blunt Florence Pugh um even smaller characters like uh, Benny Safdie as um Edward Teller and then um Josh Peck even he's got a little moment in there and just Roderick
0: uh, uh, driving <laughs> <McKin>. kid
2: yeah
0: <laughs> yeah but uh So the other day I was I was so bored and I just made I'll I'll see if you can see it I made a little chart with all my Oscars predictions right now.
2: I'm about to do that in a couple weeks I think. (laughs) Listen
0: to this right here, just the top three. Ready? Best Picture, number one, Oppenheimer. (laughs) Best Director, number one, Christopher Nolan, Oppenheimer. Best Actor, number one, Killian Murphy, Oppenheimer. Just the first three categories, I think they're going to win for everyone. And I think it's well-deserved. Personally, my favorite movie of the year is The Holdovers. And it's a much kind of smaller scale movie, very nice, like drama comedy. But even I have to admit, in terms of the Oscar award race, I would be thrilled if The Holdovers wins. But I feel like probably the most deserving film is Oppenheimer this year and yeah i just like i just said i think they're gonna not sweep necessarily but i think they're gonna win a lot of awards it was a very grand uh magnus opus for christopher (laughs) nolan if you will in my opinion and yeah it's just grown on me as i went through it and i've talked to you about it a couple times on the show outside of the show it's really grown on me every watch. When I first watched it, I didn't love it necessarily, but each watch you get a little bit more. And yeah, so what was your favorite part? What really stuck out to you? I know we talked about the cast a little bit, but is it was it the cast, was it the story, the um, direction, the music? What was one aspect that really stood out to you?
2: Um besides so besides the cast, there's actually probably two things that stood out to me. One is um I think this is par- probably Christopher Nolan's best kind of ri- best-written movie. Honestly, I think um, the dialogue between the characters, um, the lines, and really just kind of direction of it is um, all fantastic across the board. And um, there's just a lot of small moments in there that show how great the writing is. Um, you can think of the part where Emily Blunt is testifying and um, she just starts going in on the dude. And you can think of the ending- It's a really
0: good part. It's one of yeah. my favorite. Yeah.
2: The ending as well, where um, Murphy is talking to Einstein and he's like, um, do you remember there was a chance we could destroy the world? And he says, I believe we did. And that was really just kind of a great moment in the movie, I think. And then the other part besides the writing in the film is the music, I think the score, is honestly one of the best movie scores i've ever heard i think it was ended up in my spotify rap that's how much i loved it i was listening to it all the time when i was just working on stuff
0: yeah that's awesome you know me with uh damien chazelle i started listening to just his scores from like la la land and whiplash and stuff <laughs> i just had it on spotify running so yeah that's that's pretty cool man and sorry i interrupted you though what do you want to say
2: Oh no, that was I was I finished up. So just the writing and the score in particular stand out.
0: Yeah, it was it was excellent overall. I think it was one of those things that uh, this movie tackled a couple of things. Uh, it was kind of a contrast of uh, Robert Oppenheimer and the main character coming up with um, maybe the one of the greatest scientific achievements ever. And it was extremely impressive, very celebrated, but it was also kind of brought with this violence and um, killing of thousands and thousands of people. And it was definitely quite interesting because the more you watch it, the more you see how um, Christopher Nolan and Killian Murphy worked together to kind of show how Oppenheimer wasn't really good in the head after this whole thing happened. He was definitely felt a lot of guilt for uh hundreds of thousands of people dying over in japan and it was it's it's very interesting and big topic there's a lot of conflicts there's obviously like the bombing killed a ton of people that was awful but it also did kind of end the war and Mm. it's a big debate that has uh been talked about for a very long time and i think they showed it really well in this film oppenheimer
2: Yeah, I think um, so after um, the bomb is dropped, which they don't show, but like um, you can hear like the radio call of it, I think, in the movie. Um, There's that scene a couple scenes later where Killian is in the gymnasium and he's talking about how what they achieved. And you can see he's really haunted by it. And I think um, that's kind of the scene that really makes me think Christopher Nolan could be best director because the way it's shot Um, The lighting in it, the kind of flashes of um, you kind of see people's like skin kind of burning off. And you see kind of like um, ash on the ground. And Killian Murphy just has these moments where he's kind of overcome with anxiety. Like and you can see it through his eyes and it's really powerful, I think.
0: Yeah. So I don't know if you've seen. So there's a bunch of TikToks and stuff. with. So Travis Scott released an album over the summer. Mm -hmm. It's called Utopia. Um, Have you ever heard the song My
2: Eyes? I've heard it a couple times, yeah, but I didn't really uh, listen to it. Okay.
0: Really, really great song. And they have these like edits where it plays that song and uh, like with Oppenheimer (laughs) in that scene or like a couple (laughs) scenes. And it's so cool because it's all about like Travis in the song kind of sings about his experiences and his highs and lows in life and some of the guilt he's had. And it, it contrasts very well, but I thought this more than anything coming into it, I'm like, oh, it's going to be about the bomb. This is going to be pretty cool, but it's more about Oppenheimer as a person and it kind of tells his story, which is pretty cool and interesting. And yeah, definitely one of my favorite of the year. You have a couple other um, kind of biopics this year yeah hmm. ma- may i how do you say it maestro or maestro yeah maestro.
2: maestro. you're ready for that
0: it comes out tomorrow i think
2: yeah yeah I, i'm pretty
0: hyped for that one you also have like
2: it's about that yeah
0: yeah and you have ferrari ferrari christmas day or a little bit before and just a bunch of biopics and i'm excited it'll be good i don't think they're gonna match this one necessarily but it'll be kind of cool And going back to the Oscars race, I have a little book of my notes here. All right. (laughs) I think this is crazy because I think best actor is very interesting this year. I would definitely say Killian is kind of cemented himself in first, at least for now. But you also have people like Bradley Cooper. We'll obviously see tomorrow how his performance is. And Paul Giamatti is going to be up there um dicaprio i think will be nominated but i don't think he'll quite get i don't think he's quite reached the peak of these other guys Mm -hmm. in terms of his latest movie what what do you think about killers of the flower moon not to change it too much but i i enjoyed the movie but i thought oppenheimer and in terms of the two big movies of the year kind of wipes it i thought it was much better
2: um so as far as i have Oppenheimer, so oppenheimer is like my clear number one um out of every movie i've seen this year um but i had i think killers of the flower moon i have it second or third i think
0: oh okay okay so yeah
2: yeah. so i just think it's obviously it's really kind of dense but like all the performances in it and scorsese's kind of direction with it i think it's just really great and it's in other years in another week of years, it definitely could be the front runner for best picture and things like that. But this is like a really strong year. So I just don't think it'll get there at the end.
0: Yeah, I agree. And I think it's going to be one of those movies that grows on me through time. Cause it's a very long movie. It's over three hours, which is <laughs> a long film. And it's, it's interesting because in the big picture or best picture, rather race, you have kind of these big, huge movies like Oppenheimer. And Killers of the Fire Moon, you have Barbie, but then you also have these smaller scale, well, smaller scale, air quotes, like Poor Things, The Holdovers, Maestro. So it's going to be interesting what the Academy thinks about um, the bigger films and the more kind of independent creative films, although like even the bigger ones like Oppenheimer and Killers of the Fire Moon are very creative, but they're more big in scale, so Definitely excited. What were some other movies you really enjoyed this year though? Um couple
2: let's see. Well, actually, one thing real quick about the Oscars real quick. I think a real interesting race as well would be the best supporting actor, because you have Robert Downey Jr., Robert De Niro, um maybe Dominic Sessa for holdovers. I thought he was I thought he was really good in that. I thought
0: he was really good. Here's here's the name I've been hearing uh my insider sources i've been oh, hearing oh, a lot sorry go ahead
2: what do you say charles, charles um, melton i think for may december i think yes. i haven't seen it so, yet i watch it still but
0: i'll read them off to you may, may december it wasn't my cup of tea the first watch but i've been hearing a lot of people saying you have to watch it a few times definitely pretty tense film um tough subjects to go through but not my favorite of the year so far, but here here's my top five supporting actors. And this is what I think the Academy will vote, not my personal opinion. I have Ryan Gosling at number five for Ken oh, yeah. from Barbie. <laughs> I have Charles Melton at number four from May, December. I thought he was fantastic. Really great in that movie. Uh, three Roberts in there, are one of my favorite performances of the year. And I thought he was the real standout personally in um, Coach of the Moon. Number two, I have Robert Downey Jr. I would love if he wins. I thought he was fantastic in Oppenheimer. And I do think that Mark Ruffalo is going to win it, though, for poor things. Everything I hear out of this movie is Mark Ruffalo was amazing. He really stretched his uh, creative acting, for lack of a better word. He really went for it in this movie. And I'm definitely excited to see it because... Um, that director, Yorgos Lanthimos, he, uh, I just, have you ever seen uh, Sacred of... Oh,
2: Killing of a Sacred Deer? Is that Yes, deep...
0: Killing of a Sacred Deer. Have you ever seen that movie? No, but I've heard about it.
2: Watch that the other day, That's, that shit's
0: weird. <laughs> really, like, I don't know, I, I didn't love it, but it was quite <laughs> odd, so <laughs> I'm excited to see poor things, and yeah, but Downey Jr., Awesome in this movie, mm-hmm. and it's kind of crazy because I'm just looking through this. Every category, I have someone from Oppenheimer that was like, for best actress, I don't personally, but I don't think there was anyone that was like had enough screen time. Yeah, any woman that had enough screen time.
2: Only category where I think they won't get a nomination, and I, I think Emily Blunt might be up for best supporting actress. But
0: yeah, I've I've heard like two right yeah. now. Yeah, mm-hmm. I could see her winning it.
2: She was great in that movie. Yeah. So um, some of my other best films of the year. Um, so like I said, Oppenheimer's number, number one. I also had Cross the Spider-Verse, um, Killers of the Flower Moon, Holdovers, Asteroid City. Asteroid City might end up in my top four at the end of the year. I think Jason Schwartzman if the category had more than five nominations, I would say he should be in there. But it's just such a loaded category for Best Actor this year.
0: Yeah, it's and, crazy. I have uh, I have Killian, Cooper, Giamatti, DiCaprio, and Jeffrey Wright for American Fiction. Um, but yeah, I, I do kind of hope Asteroid City, I, I wouldn't put him in Best Picture personally probably at this point but i do hope they get some nominations because i thought it was a good swing for wes i think it's grown on me more i think about the movie and yeah but anyways keep going
2: yeah so um so after Azure city i had barbie creed 3 i love i love
0: creed 3
2: mission impossible dead reckoning was actually the first mission possible i ever saw and i thought it was like great just everything you would want from like an action movie type of that like that thing
0: yeah i I thought it was a fun movie too i think that was the first one i've seen too or at least like all the way through
2: and then i have no hard feelings and the killer to round out my top 10
0: nice i like that i like that list indeed (laughs) and
2: what did you think have you seen um napoleon
0: i did did you
2: see it what did you think yeah sorry what did you think of it
0: i really liked it i vibed with it yeah what about you (laughs)
2: I liked it. I thought it was it's feeling interesting and a lot of it was very funny. It's a lot funnier than I thought it'd be, but there was like something like lacking, I guess, really that basically mm-hmm. like put it in like the top um whatever I just listed the top ten, but I still thought it was pretty solid.
0: I thought now, I don't know if I probably don't have it in top ten. Maybe I just I can see the flaws in it. I just had a really good time watching it. I like. Mm-hmm. I felt like it didn't last super long as a long movie. Like some people said, like, ah, oh, it was two and a half hours, but it felt like the longest movie I've ever seen. I'm like, I, I don't know. I kind of vibe with it. Mm-hmm. I thought it was really funny. The battle scenes were probably my favorite of the year.
2: They were insane. I thought it was
0: so cool. I don't want to spoil too much. There's one scene where they invade this group, and. It is awesome, like on the water with the ice and everything. So cool. But yeah,
1: I, I I liked it a lot. All right, we're joined by Lydia McClure, one of my friends and
0: fellow Barbie lover. How are you doing today?
3: I'm pretty good. How are you?
0: I'm doing awesome, and we're going to be talking about Barbie today, like I mentioned earlier. One of the hits of the year, and it really was more than a movie. It was kind of a cultural phenomena, and I just—I think it was very interesting. On my first watch, I didn't love it. Second watch grew a lot on me, and I definitely think it deserves a spot being one of the best movies of the year. So, Lydia, what did you love about this movie?
3: I think like a lot of people, I liked the, like you said, the cultural part of it. Um, I think everyone was able to kind of relate to at least one of the characters and it just did so much. Like it talked about obviously feminism and the patriarchy and all of that, but um, also there were mothers and um, young girls and lots of characters that different people could relate to throughout the whole movie. So I think definitely it did a lot well.
0: Yeah, and the patriarchy is about horses, right?
3: Yes, horses and brewskis and the Mojo (laughs) Dojo Casa house.
0: I thought it was pretty funny. I think we could probably start with Ken. Ken was uh, performed by Ryan Gosling, one of my favorite performances of the year. And he was just kind of like, it was very interesting to see his arc and he kind of turns he starts out like loving barbie and just wants approval from her then he goes to the real world and sees that there's a lot of men that run the real world and he gains this power and becomes like too powerful or trying to gain all this power right and kind of becomes the villain and then he kind of comes back to earth and one of the most like funny characters too in the movie he was he was pretty great and there's also uh, Margot Robbie plays uh, Barbie in the movie. She it was wonderful, really great in her performance, and yeah, I think maybe my favorite part about this movie was just the performances in general. You everyone was super funny, even like what's the guy? Now I haven't seen the movie for a little bit. He was in Superbad, uh, Alan.
3: Alan Michael Sarah, oh. yeah.
0: Alan was hilarious. Rachel McAdams, who uh, played the what was she called? The crazy Barbie?
3: Uh Kate McKinnon.
0: Yeah, Kate Barbie. McKinnon. Yep. There we go. She was
3: good.
0: Oh, she was yeah. She was awesome. She was so funny. And what I loved about this movie is the elements of comedy and also like serious tones throughout. Yeah. So what was your favorite part of the movie or favorite scene, you would say?
3: I liked a lot more of, like, just the little moments and the little one-liners that going back oh, yeah. and watching it again, you catch more. I don't know that, like, one scene, because it's just such a upbeat and, like, fast-paced movie. Um, yeah, I think when I yeah.
0: first watched it...
3: Sorry, um, obviously, Sorry you yeah, go I'm ahead, you
0: go ahead. We just <laughs> broke up for a minute.
3: You're good. Um, there's that speech that American Ferreira gives that I think... Um, was kind of one of the standout moments of the movie. But there's just little pieces of that throughout the whole movie that um, you catch the second or third time watching it.
0: Oh, yeah, definitely. And my first watch on it, I didn't love it because I think it's kind of an acquired taste for a lot of people because it's a very weird movie. It's not Mm -hmm. like your traditional movie. Most of it takes place in this fake like Barbie world which i thought was very very cool the way they did it the set design was one of the best of the year and i think they could be in a uh, kind of oscar contender for that for sure for that and makeup and it was very cool and you see the shift from the barbie world to the real world back to the barbie world it's kind of going back and forth and one of my favorite parts I'm i'm kind of a nerd for this kind of thing but i just love how they shot the thing where, like, Barbie and Ken go to the real world. Like, they're on a bike and they're on a rocket ship yeah. and then they're on a boat and it was just, it was kind of odd, but I think they really made it work and you never really felt like this was, um, or I shouldn't say that. It felt like sometimes it was a real world and then other times, like, oh, this is clearly, like, a fake thing and, I think they struck a really good balance with that. But yeah, who was your favorite performance of the movie, you would say? I know it's hard to pick, but
3: Yeah, they were all great. Um, I really liked just Margot Robbie and um I know all of the kind of like going back to the set design, all of the um I read up a lot on this movie <laughs> when it yeah. in, in anticipation of it coming out. Um, but all of the like background people and stuff in the Barbie world were dancers. Um, and so I just really? liked I all the that. supporting, like, Simu Lee and everyone just had all this training on how to, like, just all the little details of, like, how to stand in a really artificial and kind of doll-like way. And um, I think that just makes it so much more interesting to look at when you're just watching it, even for the first time. But
0: Yeah, definitely. Uh, I think one of the best parts about the movie, or best characters, I would definitely go with Margo Tanabi Salon. she was awesome as barbie i thought she played like this kind of barbie's kind of hard to think about because it's obviously they like had some of the animated movies and there's the dolls but she played like perfectly the stereotypical barbie which is what she was and even just like physically you could see in her performance with like the feet you know how mm. they like the arch of the feet i thought that was just very cool how they showed kind of like subtle ways that she was the barbie and I also actually really liked so not the main Ken obviously he was great too he's one of the main guys in the movie but the other Ken like the rival Ken you know
3: Lee, who I'm I about? think early. yes yeah. yes
0: he was wonderful I thought he was really funny mm-hmm. in it and like you said some of like the dancing and stuff that went on with all the Kens dance scenes those were pretty great too yeah but I was gonna hit on oh yeah okay so. I think the winner of this movie if there's a person, I would say it's Greta Gerwig who directed the film. She's one of my favorite directors today. Have you ever seen Lady Bird?
3: No, but I feel like I have to oh now. My God. Everyone's been talking about it with all of her. Like, husband.
0: like I like Barbie, but Lady Bird is one of my favorite movies ever. That's awesome movie, family drama. That's kind of my kind of my shit like family drama movies that also have some comedy in them. It's my favorite. But I thought she did a great job because I think this could have been a disaster of a movie if someone else was doing it. I think it could have went kind of off the rails, but she does such a good job of keeping it kind of crazy with some of the dancing and artwork and stuff, but also keeping it a very good story. But yeah, and... hmm. What else should we talk about? Do you think uh, Do you think Barbie has a chance of winning Best Picture at the Oscars?
3: I think so. It? I, I think, think they it's, could. It's hard to, like, pigeonhole it into one kind of movie. And I think that if people aren't appreciating, like, all the little issues that it tackles, then it could just seem like a lot. Kind of like you were saying, like, it's... Oh, yeah. It's taking on a lot. But I think she does it so well that it definitely...
0: Yeah, like I think she's good, one but... of the only directors that could have really pulled this off. And I think she did a wonderful job of it. And I could see this movie getting a lot of words. Obviously, I did good in the box office. Like, everyone went to see it that I know. Oh, so. my gosh.
3: It was – I think they're at a billion and a half now or quickly approaching that. Or it's right – it's over a billion. But...
0: That's crazy.
3: Yeah.
0: And you're you're not – in your, so you're home. I, I was expecting you to be in your Barbie box today.
3: I know. <laughs> Not wearing pink or anything, but um, yes, all of the all of the revenue and everything from all of the Barbie stuff, I'm sure is, um, contributing. Oh yeah,
0: yeah. And so let's go to like nitpicks. Some of the nitpicks of this movie, I would have it as the parts with I love Will Ferrell, and I thought he was really good in this movie, but the whole like Mattel like building and stuff when they went in there, I that part. It was fine. I just thought it was kind of the lower light of the movie.
3: I would agree. I think a lot of people kind of were confused. Like he didn't really have any awakening at the end where he was like, Oh, maybe I should be doing this. Like it just kind of, he was just kind of there to drive the plot. And I don't know that it needed that, or it could have been like a more background piece of the movie. Like it was just in there too much, but not enough for it to be it really makes sense i feel like
0: yeah it was very odd i thought there were some funny parts with it because he was like this big air quote feminist and stuff Mm -hmm. and wanted wanted a woman to have a big role in barbie and stuff but then you go to like the office like the headquarters and all the top management are men so it was pretty ironic so i enjoyed that part but just overall the uh, parts where they were like in the Mattel building, I thought was it was all right, I guess, but didn't really work for me.
3: It felt like a different movie, like it felt more, um, yes, like a normal movie, which different. wasn't the rest of the movie, so it stuck out more, I feel like. Yeah,
0: now do you think we're gonna have a Barbie 2?
3: I hope not. I, I love I the first one, yeah. um, maybe if there was like some sort of kin spin off, maybe, but i i really like the first one and i don't
0: yeah care. i thought the first one was also pretty good and i think the sequel might just and they i think they will probably try to make a second one just because it was so successful mm-hmm. but i think it would just be nice if you have one really solid movie and just ended that that but yeah. yeah uh any other movies you like this year
3: really i i liked the hunger games movie okay
0: uh, that was solid i enjoyed it too
3: times. very different than the barbie movie obviously but I, um... I may have
0: i may have fallen asleep in the hunger games movie but i i did like it it was just really dark and cozy in there so
3: i can't imagine falling asleep during the hunger yeah, Games. i think it
0: was so... i think it was when they went back to like where was she from when they went back to the district mm-hmm. it was a little bit slower part and i'm like Ugh, it's, it pretty
3: was very <laughs> it's pretty warm long movie it's pretty
0: dark in here i've been having a problem this year a couple times in the theater i fell asleep but
3: during oppenheimer yeah.
0: did you no oppenheimer was it's a little too loud and i was mostly sometimes i go to the theater by myself and that's when i usually fall asleep but when i'm with someone i'm usually okay Unless it's really late at night. So, yeah. But, I mean, that's all I have. Kevin Kango on here. I'm pretty pumped to have you, Kev. And we're going to be talking about what movie today?
1: The Killer.
0: Yes, sir. Yes. Yes, sir. The the Killer. uh, David Fincher's latest film. It mm-hmm. was released on Netflix and was one of my favorite movies of the year, personally. Mm-hmm. And it was just—it was very different. And yes. let's get into it. So, what did you love about this film?
1: I think what I really loved was the different take that it had on on the classic assassin films. Mm-hmm. So, if you were, you know, I think some films you can easily reference, like Quentin Tarantino's Kill Bill, for example. Team for assassins, they're usually very dramatic. They have these backstories. And usually the assassins have a ton of emotion behind whatever's going on. And I really love the approach of, look, we're just going to throw you into this story. No context. You don't know who the guy is. You don't even know who he's killing. And we're just going to take you through probably the most realistic view of what it would be like to be an assassin in today's world. And so I, that's what I truly enjoyed about the film throughout.
0: Yeah, I really enjoyed it, too, the way that I don't want to spoil too much, but the first scene is basically him making his first kill or kill yeah. attempts. And he uh, it was just so interesting because, like you said, they didn't build this whole world around him. They just kind of threw you in and mm-hmm. it was all through his kind of point of view. And mm-hmm. they used a lot of voiceover in this movie, which you don't see much anymore. But I think it really worked. Mm-hmm. What about you?
1: I, I'll say another thing that David Fincher, you said, made it. Mm-hmm. I think another thing that he really got me on was the suspense of it. So even from the time you watch the trailer, you're just curious, like, wait, well, what's going on? And because you're kind of thrown into the universe, there, it leaves you throughout the whole entire movie hoping that you get a piece revealed to you that you, you didn't know previously. And so you'll get little pieces like, okay, he lives abroad. All right, makes sense. Okay, he had a lover. All right, who's the lover? How'd they meet? How? And honestly, the film really ends with you not knowing a lot about the character, about the story, about the plot. But the suspense that it keeps you in is it's it's probably one of the most engaging films that I've watched that came out this year especially because a lot of the films that came out with this year they, they were usually big stories or mm-hmm. maybe we had a couple sequels but just the engagement of the film was just insane to me.
0: Oh, I agree. It was one of the most engaging films. Usually when I watch a film at home, I'm not quite as into it as if I go to the theater.
2: But yeah. this one,
0: this one had me right away. The first scene is very very exciting and yeah, I think I think it was excellent. Uh, one of my nitpicks for the movie, I would say, mm-hmm. would be the ending. I don't know <laughs> how you felt about the ending. I don't want to spoil yeah. it too much. But I th- I thought we could have had a little bit more. And
4: mm-hmm. I guess it
0: depends on your taste, though, because we kind of end on. How do I say it without spoiling it? We We end with not a lot of action.
1: And no. And that's, and that's what's so interesting about the film, though, if you think about it. It's an assassin. It's a film centered around an assassin. But even the, the, the job that he does, it's not as violent as you would think it would be. He's mm-hmm. not fighting. It's not the Matrix. He's fighting 10 guys at one time. And you know what I'm saying? It's not a Tom Cruise Mission Impossible, you know, where you yeah. just have unnecessary action scenes for the sake of actions. It's really... It really, I think it's more of a psychological thriller than it is anything. Mm-hmm. You know what I'm saying? And so I, I definitely get that nitpick of the ending being a bit laissez faire. But I, I, another point I wanted to tell you that I thought was interesting was there's no protagonist in the film. No. Even I, I even I agree if with you that. try to take the side of the, the the main character. I think throughout, like there are times when you're watching it, you're like, really kill that person too, like. Like, there's no good person in the film. And that's another thing that I thought was so interesting because I didn't really have someone I was rooting for because I was like, everyone in the film seemed pretty equally evil to me as yeah. far as what they did. And so, like, to me, it was really like a... Um, I guess you would describe it as a third-person view where you're really just... You're not in, you're not too invested in the story as far as I hope someone wins. You're more mm-hmm. invested in, like the sense of what exactly is going on, what's about to happen.
0: Yeah, I I would definitely agree. And it wasn't like uh, fastbender was like this Batman character where he was taking out all the bad guys. He was just kind of hired. And he's just like, you know what? I'm not going to question. I'm going to kill these people. And if anyone gets in the way, eh, it is what it is. And he kept on repeating this one line. I can't quite remember what it was but was basically like just stay locked in stick to the plan yes and it was repeated over and over
2: try no one
0: yes Mm -hmm. to kind of keep him like uh steady and being an assassin because there's one scene or there's a couple scenes but he has to get to basically like 60 beats per minute to in order to click the trigger on a shot and i i found Mm -hmm. that super interesting like keeping yourself yeah. calm in a situation that's very um, scary and uh, just a lot of
1: pressure on you. Yeah. yeah. that That's why my biggest takeaway of the film is I, I don't know who David is. I don't know his background, but I can tell he must've read some Machiavelli. He must've read something of that sort, because the mindset that's really insinuated throughout the film, if, if you're going to really take something away from it and apply it to your life is what it means to be, Narrow-minded towards a a goal, because you see the character doesn't deviate at all through his beliefs. I think a lot of these types of movies, you get like a a sympathy moment where the cold-blooded killer has to choose between their morals and the objective. You don't get that here. You get someone who's so focused they don't they don't they don't crack on anything. And so, like for me, I love it from that perspective because I think sometimes that's the mindset you have to have in order to be successful.
0: Yeah, so I'm going to read off a couple of, well, before I I have two points here. So there's a lot of theories that David Fincher is a guy who's, like, very detail-oriented. He's a guy that's known to do, like, a hundred takes on one scene. And there's a lot of theories that, not necessarily the assassin part, but the kind of mindset of the main character is a lot of David Fincher in it. Yeah. So, And I could definitely see it. But my second point is David Fincher has won an absolute run the last couple of decades. I'm going to list a couple of movies for you. He has mm-hmm. Fight Club, Gone oh. Girl, Seven, yeah. The Social Network, Zodiac, oh, wow. The Killer, yes. and a couple other in there. But those are some that I've seen that I've mm-hmm. just
1: been blown away by. He's the, He has an obsession with a certain type of character is what I'm saying. Between Mark Zuckerberg and then Brad Pitt and, and you said, Fight Club? Yep. And then you have, and so, like, even the voiceover thing. Like, okay, now that you tell me some of the movies he's made, it's like yeah, he's definitely transcending his personality into these films through certain characters. Mm-hmm. I think he must have really admired Mark Zuckerberg for his very, Mark Zuckerberg has another Machiavellian type of mentality of winner takes all. You yep. know what I'm saying? And you see it in the social network. He abandons his friends. He abandons you know he doesn't care he it's business over everything fight yeah. club same thing with Brad Pitt like that's really interesting wow <laughs> okay i need to go watch more of his films if that's cuz now i'm seeing the theme
0: yeah that mm-hmm. it's he has a very good catalog he has looks like 15 films here i'm just le- reading on letterbox mm-hmm. and yeah it's a uh, it's pretty impressive especially cuz he definitely sticks to this kind of like thriller uh, murder mystery type thing, but he can yeah. also go into movies like The Social Network or There's the Cur- the Curious Case of Benjamin Button, which I haven't seen, but I've heard is like basically is that, a, about is a, that on a,
1: Netflix right now?
0: I'm actually not sure. It's with a it's with Brad Pitt, and it's basically oh. about a guy who, when he's born, he's really old, and then he like ages in reverse. So it it sounds very weird, but yeah, it kind of shows his uh ability to make movies in kind of any genre. So.
1: Right. Yeah.
0: Um I have I want to tell you about a movie quick before we go though. Uh have you seen the Iron Claw that came out the other day?
1: I have not. You you brought it up to me. Oh. And and so I'm curious to actually see. I saw the trailer with Zac Efron. I have mixed feelings about Zac Efron. You know, he has a very interesting diverse catalog. He's a guy who was in, you know, high school musical and then made the, you know, movie with um The guy, I think it was Ted Bundy, that represented his... Yes. Yes. He has a very diverse catalog. And then he, like, dropped this movie. So I'm like, what the hell? Then he has the movie where he's on the beach with The Rock, you know. Yeah, Baywatch, yeah. (laughs) Yeah, Baywatch. So he's an interesting guy, but he's a good actor, though. What did you think about it? It was
0: so good. And um, it was a movie that I came in. I'm like, I think it's going to be really good. It's A24. I think Mm -hmm. we both feel pretty good about A24 is one of the better production companies today and coming into it i thought it was going to be more focused on the wrestling but this is a very tragic story about the uh von erich brothers and Mm. they were a really famous wrestling family back in the 70s and 80s and not to spoil too much of it i know it's in record like people that know about wrestling but a lot of the people, there's just a lot of tragedy that happens in the family. So it's a pretty sad yeah. movie. But Zac yeah. Efron, I think he should be up for, uh, not necessarily lead actor of the year, but a nominee for sure. I, I think he should be in there. He was that good. Mm-hmm. The dad in the film was also excellent. And it was one of these movies that it just, it was over two hours, but it kind of flew by. It was divided mm-hmm. into a kind of more of a wrestling portion to begin. And then kind of like all the tragedy that happens later in the film.
2: Yeah. Now
1: is this is it WWE style wrestling? That's the thing I couldn't gather. Is it true? it is
0: WWE style wrestling, but they were in a different league back then. It was this Texas Texas league that they basically ran. One of the brothers went to WWE for a little bit. It's uh I didn't understand all of the leagues and wrestling and stuff, which it doesn't really matter. It's not Right. It's not really a wrestling movie. It's more of a family drama. Right. That's what I would tell people. If you go into it and you're like not into sports, you don't really have to be. It, it's there's not mm-hmm. too much, like intricacies that you have to understand, like Moneyball or something like that. But right, um, yeah, I loved it. I recommend it to everyone. I think it should be up for best best picture, and it was my second favorite movie of the year behind the holdovers. So
1: gotcha. I, I wanted the tell you about a movie me and you had both watched it uh, i'm trying to find the name of it it was on netflix it was more of an abstract movie this year it mm. was by a really famous director dude i don't know if you remember the name of it but it was centered around a guy who suffered from i think it was maybe schizophrenia or whatever okay and hmm. like he they it was a yeah like a guy i think it was no a girl who suffered they basically they're in the car the whole time they go to okay. visit his family. His family's really dead. Oh. And, yeah, I know this might sound familiar. Oh, it's man. Abstract, like, super abstract movie.
0: His family's actually dead. Okay. Do you, uh, do you know who's in it?
1: Dude, I, it, oh, it's the same guy. freak. I don't know if you ever watched The Irishman. Yes, I've I've okay. seen the Irishman. The guy who is the son of Jimmy Hoffa and the Irishman. He's been in a bunch of movies. He has blonde hair, man. Oh my god,
0: this is gonna drive me nuts. Yeah. Okay, yeah. I'll look it up though. So you like this movie though?
1: It would. I think me and you had a brief, 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 um, discussion about the movie. Mm-hmm. And. It, it came out this year. Oh my gosh! Yeah, it's gonna drive me crazy too. Okay,
0: I'm gonna figure it out here. Okay. We we can cut we can cut some of this
1: out too if we need to. Yeah, yeah. Visit boyfriend's family. Oh my god! Family god. Okay, here we go. The in between maybe is it the uh the in between? Oh, I'm thinking of ending. I'm I'm thinking of ending things.
0: Oh my gosh! Yes. I watched Jesse. that. Yeah. I watched yes. that. I think it uh-huh. came out. Did it come out last year? Or I don't know. It's with Jesse
1: Plemons, right? Yes. Okay. Yes. Yes. Jesse okay. Plemons, Jesse Buckley. Yes. That movie okay. is the most abstract shit I've ever seen in my life.
0: So my yes. question is, I mm-hmm. personally, I'm like, what the fuck is this? Like, yeah. I didn't, I didn't necessarily vibe with it, yeah. personally. And some of these movies, some it's weird because I like when they take shots on movies, and some of them yes. click with me. But this one's like, what? <laughs>
1: right, right. <laughs> and yeah. I tried, dude. I tried to watch. I watched it with my girlfriend. I we tried to watch like YouTube videos explaining it. We were losing our minds. Oh it, yeah, it's, it's clear. You get certain main parts. Obviously, his family's dead. Not everything is what it seems. But you then begin to, like, question the relationship to everything. Yes. If that makes sense. Like, what is the relationship of the school to the guy? Is this a past life that we're talking about? Who's actually real? Is the guy a figment of our imagination? Why is that significant? Is she the one with the disorder? Like, Mm. what exactly? You know what I'm saying? And so even, even the trip, I feel like, is more symbolic of something. More than it is yes. a little thing that is happening. So I'm just like it's so abstract that it's like maybe someone who I, w- I would think you need to be a PhD in psychology and have a good theater <laughs> background. Seriously, to, and have a theater yeah. background to then understand that film. Cause th- I was lost. We should
0: we should do a pod sometime or just talk about the weirdest films ever. Because I can think of a couple right now. Have you seen Bo is Afraid?
1: Bows of Rain, no, I have not.
0: It's so Bo is Afraid is with Joaquin Phoenix, and okay. it basically to summarize it briefly, which it's it's hard to do, it's a, basically a guy who has really serious mental issues and he kills himself and then it's the DMT trip like before he actually dies. Oh
1: my gosh.
0: That's what I've that's what I've heard as an exclamation of this film.
1: Yeah. I love it's, those types of films though.
0: It's <laughs> I don't know how I feel about it. It's with uh, Ari Aster mm-hmm. as the director. I I still don't know how I feel about it. And another really weird one I watched recently, uh, "The Killing of a Sacred Deer." The killing of a sacred. Oh my deer. god, that was that was trippy. With uh, I think it's on Netflix. I I I wouldn't recommend it necessarily, but if you want to see something weird, it's certainly that.
1: Mm-hmm. A mainstream film that had just come out. And I know we only got two minutes here. I, I wanted to originally talk to you. Did someone take the Killers of the Flower Moon? No. Okay, that's the one I initially wanted to talk about.
0: Oh, okay. Because yeah. I, I saw you said Killers of the Flower Moon and the killer, so I didn't. Yeah. I got a little confused. But hit on it briefly, because we'll, we'll okay. give them. The I post.
1: just want to say, you know, upon reflection, the more I sit back on it, 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 it was Scorsese that made it? Yep. Right? You know, I think that might be one of his most important films that he's ever made. And I went and watched him speak about it. And and he said, guys, like, this is a very last lost story. He usually is telling mob stories mm-hmm. you know, that incorporate cultural things, you know, Judaism and whatnot in the country throughout the time periods. But I think this actually might be his most important story. And I'm actually glad he made it. And I'm glad I watched it. And I'll probably give it another watch with a different perspective and rated higher. I think the first time I gave it a 6 out of 10, it's probably more so an 8.5 out of 10. It has a lot of development and a Mm -hmm. lot of storytelling and history that's so important. And the teaching, like, I forgot that I left the film learning about a whole thing that I didn't know before.
0: Yeah, I I agree with you. I think it might be one of his most important films. It just didn't necessarily work for me in terms of enjoyment. I liked it. I just didn't love it. But yes, I agree. The story was very important.
1: Mm-hmm. and it's tough because you're coming into a scorsese film after watching you know wolf of wall street after watching yes. i think he made goodfellas you're you're expecting like boom plow you know this this crazy
0: it's much more reserved much yeah more and I think,
1: right and i think if if someone else had made it let's just say someone else of a lesser stature made it we would probably be very pleased with the film because we weren't expecting the you know the things that he's known for so. yes
0: it's it's all about expectations with right. any kind of media or athlete anything in entertainment so yeah mm. well thank you for coming on kev i gotta head okay. out and uh i hope you have a good christmas man i'm hoping we I can have you on too. again all right so we're here with benny welcome on the show benny Claren, uh, fellow film lover how are you doing
4: I'm good. How you doing, Mr. Jackson Gephardt? Thanks for being such a gracious and studious host and for having me on the backcourt podcast. I'm happy to be oh, here.
0: Thank you, man. And you're looking good over there in California. Oh, same to thank you from Florida. Thank you, sir. And we are discussing, excuse me, John Wick 4. One of the biggest releases of the year. It came out in the fall. I haven't got a chance to see it, but everything I've heard, one of the best action movies. That has been released in a long time so i'm gonna let benny take it away here
4: john wick chapter four directed by none other than chad zahelski he also directed the following sequels chapter two three and four um it came out march 24 2023 john wick chapter four is an action epic and one of the biggest blockbusters of this year let alone this decade it follows john wick played by keanu reeves who's on a mission to earn his freedom. He's a brilliant ex-assassin who's been through the ringer. But Bill Skarsgård plays the Marquis de Gramont, who is like an emissary ordered from the high table to take out John Wick for
2: okay. what he's been he doing.
4: But, so he, Bill Skarsgård's character, is kind of the obstacle that stands in Keanu's way. And... He has to go through a lot of rigor of to basically earn back his freedom. And it takes a lot of inspiration if you've seen movies like The Good and the Bad, The Ugly with Sergio Leone, the old spaghetti westerns or even modern action movies. It kind of celebrates all those previous, previous efforts into an almost three hour action movie.
0: Yeah, well, I, I see your uh, posters back there. Yeah. We're not going to sneak by this. We got the good, bad, and the ugly. We have the hateful eight. Definitely a big Western guy. Absolutely, and it also takes a lot of influence since this is kind of, um, without
4: giving too much away, right the bat. But it's like with the length of the movie, um, a huge chunk of it. It also feels like a samurai epic with. A good thirty to forty five minutes. At least that's what it feels like in terms of length. Most of the time in the movie takes place in Osaka, Japan, so there's a big description okay. there with samurai. Yeah,
0: I I heard they go they get they go kind of all over the place, right? In this movie. Like all over the kind or all over the world.
4: Absolutely. And you've probably seen a lot of critics or other reviewers say that it feels like a sprawling James Bond film. It's okay. like Wix World War. Cause you go from Japan back to New York, and then Germany
0: and France. Bang! Yeah, all, all over the place. I, I like it though. But c- continue going over some of the things. Or do you want to just want to jump into it? What What was your like favorite part of this movie? What What really stood out to you that maybe you don't see in other action movies? Was it the stars in the film? Was it the story? The action sequences? What was? It?
4: You know, I'm just getting super excited. It's, I'm trying to formulate the thoughts in my head, but obviously the biggest standout is you have Keanu Reeves. Um, he and Sahelski apparently they've Sahelski, the director, was uh Keanu Reeves stunt double in the Matrix series. So really? a long-lasting relationship, but Donnie Yen. Donnie okay. Yen is a huge martial artist from Hong Kong. He's also been in a couple mainstream movies like Triple X and Rogue One, a Star Wars story that came out seven years ago. But mm-hmm. he was a huge standout in this movie. He plays a blind assassin named Kane, who obviously has something bigger than himself to protect his daughter, who Bill Skarsgård character threatens if he doesn't go out and kill John Wick. But the martial arts and the action... The way it's shot helps carry and drive the story. Because you actually can see Keanu Reeves go back to his old ways from before he retired, doing what he was really good at. But it's shot and done in such an eloquent way. And it also, it's like an adrenaline rush, just watching it all over.
0: Yes. And so, some
4: pieces, too.
0: Awesome. Yeah, so what I've noticed getting more into film... I've, I've watched probably more movies than I've watched, at least new releases this year than I ever have. And the way movies are shot are very, very impactful because you can have a great story and everything. But I think what really adds to the film and uh, really takes it to a new point is the way it's shot. The, uh, the yes. Holdovers, for example, is my favorite movie of the year. I'm just like a nerd for when they had the shot where they just pan over on the street when they're like walking. You know what I'm talking about?
2: I'm Mm -hmm. like, I just
0: loved it. And I just thought it was such a unique way to do it. And it sounds like John Wick 4 has a lot of that kind of unique shooting and kind of sets itself apart from other just kind of more generic action movies.
4: Yeah. And I think what separates John Wick from overdone and oversaturated action movies, at least within that genre, is that. John Wick is elevated by such a simple story that you don't need to overcomplicate the story too much because yeah everyone's so focused on the action and that's why they've come to see this franchise for so long because the action is just so well done and the world building with the high table you got gold coins the continental rules the old ways high table duels it's just not given too much but slowly but surely and steadily drawn out throughout the four films
0: got you so i do have a question i have two questions for you please Mm -hmm. first of all i think we've already kind of went over it but as a person like personally i'm not a big action guy but what i hear you think john wick Four is the best movie of the year why should i watch it and we kind of went over this already but Someone that's not a huge action fan, can you tell me about, like, does the is it the story that really works? Or is this movie going to make me appreciate action more?
4: I would argue the latter. Okay. Because you could have a good story, but the action is just shot in a really horrible way. You got yeah. fast editing, a lot of shaky cam shots, and it's just, like, it gives you more of... <laughs> An epileptic seizure than it doesn't give than it doesn't giving you an adrenaline rush. But I think John Wick Four is the ex- exception to that rule because you're permitting the audience to actually soak in and enjoy the action with these long and wide shots. Okay. And there's a really great scene in chapter four where you just get top down shot. Not giving too much away right now, but it's like you can. It's so easy to prove on these mistakes with just these simple innovations and you can give the audience a new immersive unique experience that they haven't seen before through another lens and it'll make you appreciate because of the different influences as mentioned previously with Sergio Leone, Akira Kurosawa Mm -hmm. uh, and John Wick 4 or John Wick the titular character is just and kind of the embodiment of the man with no name who doesn't need to say a lot because he already gets his point across with the action and he's just overburdened with all these consequences and i think without all the violence and the shooting and the world building on a philosophical level it's something that we could probably all relate to being overburdened with our own consequences our own past mistakes and trying to figure out how we could be remiss of those past sins i think It's really powerful.
0: Awesome. A good way of putting it there. And my next question, a little more basic. Rank the movies. Rank the four movies, one through four. What would be your ranking?
4: I still have to go with chapter one just because of that emotional um, weight Mm -hmm. that drives the story forward and creates that perfect narrative tension where he loses his dog to a bunch of mindless mobsters. So that's chapter one is still the best one for me. But I would say... Chapter four is easily my favorite sequel. So I would go one, four, two, and three.
0: Got gotcha. you. Okay. So I think I'm going to have to, you've talked me into it. I'm going to have to go ahead and do a little binge the next couple of days and just go one through four. So I won't, I was going to start with four originally, but I don't think that's the way to go. I think I got to start from the beginning.
4: I will start with the beginning because chapter four in and of itself is what the Blinken movie Is technically a full movie, but you don't really know what's going on. It probably could set some people off. So starting in chronological order, like the Star Wars franchise or even Indiana Jones, that's the way I would do it.
0: All right. I will. And uh, also, so I'm looking the first John Wick's an hour and 41 minutes, and this last one was like three hours, wasn't it? Yeah. That's pretty crazy. Each
4: movie, each sequel just gets longer and longer. Minute by minute,
0: yep. I'm looking at it now. I think you're right. Yeah, it gets a little bit longer. Each really... movie. That's awesome. Yeah. What What are some other movies you love this year, though? I know John Wick Four is your favorite, but maybe a couple more for the viewers. Yeah. Yeah.
4: If I had to give my top list besides Chapter Four, the holdovers I definitely liked. Yes, yeah, so we want to that
0: together. That's a great one. Yeah. I love that.
4: Paul Giamatti was brilliant. Fantastic. That's I agree. Anywhere in the listing, but Oppenheimer and Barbie both, obviously. Mm-hmm. Uh, and then the last one, Spider-Man Across the Spider-Verse. I just saw Ooh. that a really while away from home. Mm-hmm. Kind of an incomplete movie, some would argue, but I think it sets up the next movie very well, and the visuals and everything that they've done in the story, giving characters more weight.
0: Yeah. It's, for sure, and the, and the art in that movie is fantastic.
4: And if you liked Into the Spider-Verse, I mean, you can't go wrong with picking yeah. this movie.
0: Yeah, so I would also recommend, I think I talked about this on another interview I did, because we're we're just taking all our interviews. You're like our third or fourth person, and we're going to have like five or six people, and we're just going to put them all together, an end-of-the-year podcast for movies and stuff. So we got John for we got The Holdovers, Oppenheimer, Barbie. Guardians of the Galaxy Three and The Killer, I think, are the six we have right now. So got it. That'd be pretty cool. Um, you should watch the Iron Claw though. Have you heard about this film?
4: My family and I actually just got tickets to see that movie. I want to see it either on New Year's Eve or January first, twenty
0: twenty four. Man, be prepared. To bring some tissues with you. It's a sad one. I've heard it gets it gets emotional. It's it's fantastic though. And Zach Efron, uh, the performance of his career so far, I think he should be nominated personally for an Oscar, or uh, not not nomin- nominated for an Oscar. Maybe not win it, but like top three or four guys. I think I think he was that good. I would agree. Yeah, definitely. And yeah, that's it right there. I will be checking out John Wick four, and thank you, buddy. Thank you, Jackson.
5: So I have you know some of the movies that I've watched this year listed out, um, and I'm assuming these are movies that came out this year.
1: Yeah.
5: Okay. Yeah. So I have a little list here, and my question is like, in terms of favorite movie, is it like my personal favorite watch, or like the
0: best movie of 2023 uh, I'm gonna let it be up to you I think go with your personal favorite watch I like to do that because I think a lot of people try to like separate favorite movie of the year versus best mm-hmm. and you know man I think it's all about what was your favorite experience watching movie and I think that's what you count the most
5: yeah, I would say um, was it
0: Jackass, Jackass 5 probably
5: it was not I did not get the chance to see that actually um, so one of my favorite been. movies that I watched, I didn't watch in theaters, um, so I'm crossing that off my eligibility list. Uh, so the best experience I had in like, the movie I felt most attached to, my favorite, is probably the Guardians of the Galaxy movie.
0: Okay, that's a, that's a good pick right there. Yeah.
5: Some I, other uh, ones... You know I'm
0: not a big Marvel guy, but I really liked Guardians of the
5: Galaxy Volume 3. Yeah, so, it's, it's really right? different. I'll tell me other Marvel movies it's just it tugs at your heartstrings I was like locked in the whole movie I was never like oh what's happening I was just like I was locked in I was focused like what's next how can this movie make me cry even more um but overall just a great experience I I really enjoyed the storyline very different from what Marvel has been doing um with their movies this one felt like a more complete film you know awesome awesome soundtrack as Guardians of the Galaxy always is but yeah.
0: Yeah, um, I, th- I thought it was really cool the way they did it as well cuz it was you typically through these superhero movies you get the you get kind of the viewpoint and the lens from like the lead character which would have been uh Chris Pratt. Chris Pratt. Mm-hmm. You saw him as Spider-Man, It's going to be the lead. It's going to be through his eyes. But this one you see it through the raccoon whose name is Rocket, right? Rocket. Yes. Rocket? Yeah, okay. And Yeah, it was really cool. It kind of told the story about how he was, like, basically caged up as a little man. And uh, he had a little animal, and he had to escape. uh, And he got rescued, I believe. I haven't seen it in a while. But I did really like it. I liked the soundtrack as well, as they always kill on the soundtrack. Mm -hmm. And I think it was one of those rare Marvel movies that did make me a little emotional.
5: Oh, a little. I was crying in the movie theater. That's good.
0: I I have a lot of respect for men that cry at movies. (laughs) I love it.
5: Yeah, I think another thing about this movie, too, that is, I would say, like, underappreciated. So, it wasn't a prequel, but it told us a backstory.
0: Yeah, it did a lot of flashbacks.
5: and And they did it so well. Like the whole story, how they set up, you know, rockets, his upbringing, his his origin story through flashbacks. They did it through like deja vu. They did it through like encountering an old villain, which I think was a really cool way to do it. Um, it wasn't choppy. It was it was very easy to decipher past from future. Um, and yeah, it was just a great storytelling movie.
0: Yeah, I definitely. I agree with you on that one. It was probably my favorite out of the three. And it was my favorite Marvel movie since. Hmm. When was the last good one? It was the it was the Spider-Man
5: one, right? Or they Uh, had all three Spider-Mans. Yeah, that was. Oh, God. No Way Home. Was it No Way? I think it was. I want to say No Way Home. It could be far from home. Far from home mm-hmm. would make sense. I don't know something about. No, because
0: far from home. I think is where they go over to Europe and he's with like Jake Gyllenhaal and all that. And uh, it, anyways, uh, the uh, the last Spider Man movie with all the three Spider Mans that was probably my favorite.
5: The most um, recent Tom yeah. Holland Spider Man movie
0: because <laughs> there Tom was Hall,
5: there the was most recent
0: Tom Holland. The most recent Spider-Man movie with Tom Holland and guest features by Andrew Garfield and, of course, the GOAT, Toby Maguire. I know what it'd be. The GOAT. The yeah. GOAT. All right.
5: So what was your favorite movie of 2020?
0: Okay. I'll that. man, just one of my favorite films of the year. I actually went and saw it again tonight. I'll admit it. Uh, just a beautiful film starring Paul Giamatti. It's called The Holdovers. Mm. Have Have you got a chance to see it?
5: I've not even heard of that.
0: Oh, my God. A beautiful movie. It tells the story of a, what's it called? Overnight camp, not camp, but uh, school, boarding school. That's the word, boarding school. So it's boarding high school. And there's a teacher there who is an old man. He's really grumpy, and he's brought down a bit by life. And he basically has to stay there over Christmas break and watch all the kids who don't get picked up by their parents, right? And basically what happens is eventually all the other kids go on this little ski trip, but the one kid, they can't reach his parents, so he stays there with Paul G. Amati, the teacher basically tells a story of their relationship and how they figure out they have a lot more in common than they think.
5: I've seen and the previews
0: she, for this. Oh, it's it's such a beautiful movie. The way it's shot, Alexander Payne as the director, he has a lot of shots. You know how nerdy I am about this shit, but mm-hmm. he has these shots where like people are walking, and he just pans over slowly, or he has these cut scenes where it like fades out, and it's just like, it's it's just really refreshing to see where you have a world of movies where it's all very techy and. You know, it's 2023, some of the best technology. This is very old school, has very kind of grainy feel in the way it's shot. And it takes place in the 70s, the story. So it was very, very good. Acting was great. Another one of those movies that, uh, Paul at your heartstrings. Uh, I just went and saw it with someone. I won't mention them, but they, they teared up a little bit. So it was nice to see.
5: Interesting. Who is it? Um, my father. <laughs> Oh, okay. I thought it was a woman. Oh, no.